Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 160 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam? Yes? I see you've been busy this week. Well, you know what? I'm always busy, Joe, and it's like, obviously, I have podcast commitments to At Odds and the soon-to-be-named network, but I also, I might want to make sure that I don't neglect the other shows that I am on, such as the A Show, so I I made a a pop-in visit this week. So... Can you just pop in? It's like a set tournament where it's like this person versus this person. Well, I I, I, I saw the picture go out, and I'm like, how 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 far are your demands going with this? <laughs> well, first of all, it's my show, so I can go on whenever I want. But I was on the computer. I was attending to some uh, gender neutral monarch tournament business. And I saw on Skype that they were on a call. It had a little button that said join call. And I was like, oh, what the hell? I'll pop in. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And, like, obviously, go and listen to next Monday's show and listen to what I had to say and what they had to say. But I wanted to see where we were at on the champs' demands uh, regarding the tournament. And uh, without giving too much away, I think think it was a productive phone call. I think it was a productive uh, podcast. Uh, I like the fact that they recognize that they need me for this tournament. And, uh, you know, I, I hated to interrupt. Uh, Kevin Graham was the guest drafter, and I had to kind of let him know that the the nickname of Kevin the Man Graham's kind of lazy because uh, man and Graham don't really rhyme. But, uh, you know, he was good enough for on when I was on there. But, again, I just wanted to uh, make sure that my voice was heard and see what they had to say. So check out the episode when it drops. Now, I'll just say you said the champ. Now, I won the first tournament. Allegedly. Okay. You yes. qualified for the second tournament. Uh-huh. Two-time Al- tournament attendee. <laughs> already saying that you've won this I, tournament, and they haven't even decided all the participants in this. I didn't necessarily say that I've won this tournament. I mean, obviously, it is a foregone conclusion, but I just feel like my presence in the tournament and on the show just makes the show better. I mean, Joe, when we were on the call this week, we I personally upgraded the show to a, a video podcast. I don't know if you know that. Like, I'm trying to make their show better. Uh, unfortunately, it being a video podcast, I had to make Sleepy Decker put a shirt on because nobody wanted to see that. But uh, yeah, man, like I said, I'm just trying to find ways to make the show better. I haven't won the second tournament yet. Um, you know, based on the voting turnout that the Boar and Ed Cody and a lot of the other people have been getting, I think it's pretty much it's a it, it's a slam dunk. But you are right, Joe. I have not won the second tournament yet. I'm just saying you. And again, there was a I, I cannot uh, uh, take away from you the number of votes that you got. Yep. Um, you know, clout chasing levels of voting, if you will. Um, but, and again, I, I, I'm just concerned you're letting it go to your head a little bit. Not at all. Not at all. I I, I do not think that it is possible for this to go to my head. I'm a very sane and reasonable person, Joe. Ah, I, I, I have not at all started christening people the Vansky of the week. Uh, (laughs) I'm, but you know, whatever, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens after I win the tournament. If I become a monster, then I'll have to be dealt with. <laughs> so where where's it going with this was so you did I'm worried that if you do this again mm-hmm. okay you may um 
skew somebody else's draft. Obviously, maybe Matt and Chris are prepared for you to chime in, but maybe their guest is not. You throw off their drafting abilities or lineup or what have you, and then they could cry foul against you. I just say be careful. Well, I I understand that concern, but uh, I think you should always be ready for uh, anything to happen on my show, on the A show. So if I'm drafting and somebody else had the ability to pop into the show, you know what? I'm a professional. I'm not going to be shook, shook by that. I'm not going to be rattled. And uh, to uh, uh, Graham's credit, he was not rattled. He was a professional. But whatever. It is what it is. It's my show. I'll do what I want. So the the A show, which you, you now claim stands for the Adam show, yes? Obviously, yes. Uh, Monday around 8 o'clock is when that drops. Yep, yep. And when I came in, to be fair, and to my credit, just I came in during the right when they were coming back from break. So they had already drafted and they were about to present. So I don't feel like I really rattled anything. You know, I kind of uh, I chose my spot, if that makes sense. But yes, it drops on Monday. I just hope they don't edit out your appearance. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) If they were smart and they want downloads, they wouldn't get rid of the champ. Again, there you said it again. You're the champ. I and again, I won anyway. <laughs> Let's move on with the show, huh? All right. And now, at odds with wrestling presents this day in wrestling history. So, this day in wrestling history, um, two. Uh, a bit of bummers, I guess, but it's kind of important bummers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on this day, uh, wrestling history in 2009, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Famer, uh, the guiding light himself, Captain Louis Albano, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were a kid of the 80s, man, uh, you know, you knew when you loved Captain Lou, he was in the Cindy Lauper videos and... I think my folks being fans, you know, my my father was a fan more in the later 70s, earlier 80s, before, like, the rock and wrestling stuff. Yeah. My mom was a fan from here up until, you know, the very end of, like, the Attitude Era and all that sort of stuff. She loved Captain Lou, uh, Brutus Beefcake, and then into the Attitude Era, your Road Dogs and your Billy Guns and stuff like that. But uh, Captain Lou was, like, I think if it wasn't for Captain Lou, my mom wouldn't have been as big as a wrestling fan as she was and wouldn't be dragging me and my three brothers plus countless amount of cousins to go see shows at the CYC, allowing it in the house, and that sort of thing. So a lot of my wrestling fandom is uh, directly tied to Captain Lou. Yeah, I think I miss Captain Lou just because when I started watching WWF, it was... Uh, WrestleMania six ish. So he was already kind of gone at that point. I missed the rock and wrestling period. My first memories of captain Lou, he was in the, the body slam movie, right? He was in body slam. That's yeah. correct. He was captain Lewis fir- Murano. Yeah. I think that's the first time I saw him. And I remember being scared of him because <laughs> it was the rubber bands or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so as a young lad, that was my first memory of him. But, uh, and then obviously seeing uh, here and there a little like, the cartoon snippets and stuff like that. But uh, that was my introduction as body slam. Right. He was in a bunch of movies and stuff. He was in a Joe Piscopo, Danny DeVito movie called wise guys. Oh, um, and 
Super Mario Super Half Hour or whatever. Wasn't he on that? He was Mario on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Yeah, that's also one of my, one of the things I remember. <laughs> uh, Lou also had the distinction of during that era, like pre and into rock and wrestling era of being fired multiple times by Vince and being rehired by Vince. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were stories that in those days, uh, Captain Lou would travel light. And by light, I mean his carry-on bag was a bowling ball bag. <laughs> and in that bowling ball bag was two things. Adam, can you guess what those two things were? Mm, a bunch of rubber bands. I don't know. I have no clue. A bottle of Jack Daniels and a knife. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but there's also, so he does have a lasting legacy, I guess, for like the younger folks. And I say the younger folks, my kid. Uh, so my kid watches all these like different like YouTubers and their meme compilations. And I think as one of, uh, Captain Lou's many court mandated public service things, uh, in full Super Mario getup, he does a PSA about doing drugs. Okay. (laughs) About not doing. About not doing drugs. And he closes the PSA by saying that if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die. And again, let that sink in. You go to hell before you die. And at no point did anyone say like, hey, hey, Luke, we got another take on that. Like, can you say words that make sense when put together? He's like, no, fuck it. I was paid to be here. I was required to be here and say these words, not necessarily in a particular order. Right. So that go to hell before you die pops and pops up in some of the meme videos that my kid watches. So I pulled up like the whole commercial for it. And there's another one that's a little bit more coherent. But like my kid gets he got such a crap, like a kick out of that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, Captain Lou, definitely uh, a, a ubiquitous character of like 80s wrestling. And speaking of 80s wrestling. Uh, on this day in 1986, uh, Magnum T.A. had his car accident that ended his life. Mm. Well, ended his wrestling life, not his actual life, but his wrestling life. He was like the guy that was being positioned to beat Ric Flair for the world title at Starcade. Yeah, you had me confused there for a second. No, I, like, my I remember apologies. Magnum T.A., you know, just not wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I, I misspoke there. I apologize, and this is a one-take show, so. Yeah. Um, but that literally changes the course of professional wrestling, NWA especially, into WCW and so forth, because, you know, you wonder how NWA looks with the babyface champion. Does Magnum TA work? If Magnum TA works... Do they start positioning to other baby faces down the road like Sting or Lex Luger? Uh, obviously, with Magnum TA's injury and the end of his wrestling career, they babyface turned Nikita Koloff. And he was, I would say, like definitely if if Ric Flair and the Horsemen are the number one heels at the time, Nikita was definitely the number two heel in the company. Uh, They turn him, they put him with uh, Dusty Rhodes, they're the superpowers, and then when Hogan and Macho Man get put together the year later and they're the mega powers, uh, Dusty took that as an affront to him. Hmm. But it's one of those what if, like that moment changed so much in the world of wrestling and it's interesting to go and think back of like if that didn't happen and listening to 
uh, this week's What Happened When with Conrad Thompson and Tony Schiavone. Uh, they were in the week where it happened. Um, like, they get into, like, the taping schedule. There was, like, TV that aired that was already in the can, like, as this was happening. Um, they talked about how this happened on, like, a rare requested day off that Magnum TA asked for. And that's another thing, like, he's like, yeah, I'm just running ragged. I just need a day off. And they gave him, like, a random house show day off, and that's the day the accident happened. Yeah, and plus you mentioned, like, a what if. Like, obviously this happened in 86, and WCW doesn't get Hogan and Savage until, what, 94? Hogan 90, yeah, Hogan and Savage 94, yeah. So that's eight years where, you know, it's arguable. You can say WWF was the top national company at the time. You know, WCW is still kind of regional, still not in as many homes. Uh, Like if Magnum TA was the top guy, you know, does that flip flop? You know, does WCW get a monster run where, you know, WCW doesn't need to go after a Hogan or something like that? So there's a lot of interesting what ifs, you know? For sure. And that and this is one of those things that like if you listen to like between the sheets and stuff, they kind of get into the numbers around these times where in their home markets, if you will, like Atlanta, most notably the Omni, they were barely clearing like three to four thousand for like these huge shows. But they were doing like seven thousand in Richmond. Uh, They were doing like huge business in North Carolina. The biggest businesses that NWA was doing at this time was in the Maryland, D.C. area and Philly. No, wow. So, you know, like, like D.C. was the original home base. Like, the D.C. Maryland area was the original home base of WWF before they moved to Stamford. And then Philly, of course, was, like, a number two town behind New York, Madison Square Garden. And those being big towns for NWA at this time, they switch over to the babyface champion. Like, things could have been way different, you know? Yeah. All right. So let's get into likes and dislike. Uh, things we didn't like uh, or did like in the last seven days in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, no dynamite this week's give us a little bit less to pick from, but I feel confident in our picking abilities. Yeah, I think uh, I th- I've got enough to talk about, Joe. And I swear when I sit down and I write my likes and my dislikes down, I I make a conscious effort to try to not talk about the same stuff over and over again. Like, I I legitimately don't want to do that. I even watched MLW this week to try to get something else to watch, to talk about. But it's not my fault that some guys just make headlines week after week after week, Joe. So my first like is from GCW Fight Club, and that is Matt Cardona entering a hostile environment. Management didn't want him to win, Joe. The crowd wanted to kill him. He overcame vicious two-on-one assaults from Effie and Alley Catch to win back for a record second time the internet championship, Joe. Uh, again, it, it was too long without that title. We saw what happened to the internet when he wasn't the internet champion. Uh, also, Chelsea made her debut in GCW to uh, maybe give the assist to Broski. Uh, Poor Chelsea. But all is right in the world for the GCW Universal and AIW Absolute and Intense Champion. And that is my first like from this week. I also watched the Moxley Gage thing. That was all right. But uh, (laughs) Broski winning the the internet title back was was my first like. Um, I give credit to Broski for this. Not in my likes, not in my dislikes. I give credit to Broski for this. Um, He's busted his ass out there, man. 
Um, you know, he's, he could, he very easily could be honky tonk man in it, you know? Yeah. Coming out, doing the signature spots, somehow doing radio silence without leaving his feet. I don't know. He, if anyone <laughs> can figure out how to do it, it could be broski. Yeah. But he's busting his ass, man. He's making towns. He's, you know, got to give him credit. You know, he's, he's really working hard. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I do want to say, and this isn't a dislike, but this could quickly become a dislike in future episodes because I want to kind of hold him to the fire a little bit. I was listening to, I, I, I don't know if it was this week's, this week's major pod or or the Z True Island story or whatever it was, but he's talking about, you know, AEW is, you know, the old WWE during the Attitude Era and WWE is the old WCW and he's comparing GCW to ECW, if that makes sense, as this viable third brand that's on the upswing and it's a hardcore company. And he's like, we finally have these three big companies and there's very little AIW love for a guy who's the absolute and intense champion. So if he doesn't start, you know, putting over and putting some respect on those belts, I'm going to have to, you know, hold him accountable in the future. But uh, this is just me giving a warning. All right. I'm glad that you did that. Yeah. When he listens to this later, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, so I'm going to start with a dislike because a like and a dislike of mine need to kind of sort of line up a little bit, you know. Okay. I have a similar situation, so you can you can kind of bang them out if you want, and I'll do the same thing. All right. Now, I, I'm going to get this one out of the way. So uh, I wake up Monday morning, and uh, I see a friend of mine, a friend of the show, uh, is deciding that he is going to be going, like, Twitter silent, at least locking his profile. And I start to dig into what's going on, and I see uh, David Bixen's man, as mentioned, uh, freelance uh reporter columnist journalist podcaster uh was being uh taken to task for taking out around a seven to eight thousand dollar ppp loan uh during the pandemic for lost wages uh and people were using this to attempt to paint bix as a racist as stealing money from families and all sorts of crazy shit. So this was Monday morning. And then everyone starts digging into it. And there's a group. There's clusters of Twitter people. That are like that. Have these huge hard-ons against AEW. Some of them are pro Cornette. Some of them are like Cornette neutral. But again, there's a lot of crossover there. So it turns out. Uh, a couple of them were being fed this information in a just asking questions sort of way um, by one Joey Ryan. And that's my dislike for this week. Why does Joey Ryan still exist in my world? <laughs> um, and the fact that he would reach out to these people who have been negative against him in an attempt to use correct and legal information to try to take down Bix. Like what he did was absolutely 100% within the law between me, you and everyone listening. I think Bix probably should have asked for and gotten more money. Mm -hmm. I was seeing independent promotions getting 40 to $80,000 in PPP loans that they don't have to pay back through loan forgiveness. And these are promotions in like bumblefuck West Virginia that you've never heard of. And they're getting $80,000 from the federal government. Yeah. Um, 
so the fact that Joey Ryan, Mr. I've found Jesus, Mr. Forgiveness, Mr. Whatever, is attempting to do this to someone who was just reporting facts. Like, if you were still, like, maybe Joey Ryan has redeemed himself, and this doesn't prove to you that he's still a piece of shit and has always been a piece of shit, then I'm not sure. Maybe he could do it to you next time. Maybe he needs to individually attempt to use uh, true and legal in the law information to attempt to blackmail you. I'm not sure. Um, I know they cover this a bit on uh, Pod Van Dam, but yeah, that really pissed me off. That ruined my Monday, you know? Yeah. And the thing that's most infuriating to me is the whole concept of like somehow Bix getting that loan prevented like it, it made somebody else starve or, you know, you took food off the table of, of another person who wasn't eligible or couldn't get it. You know, some of this outrage, you know, obviously point it towards Ruth Chris Steakhouse. They got like millions of dollars in loans that they didn't have to repay. Or I believe the L.A. Lakers took PPP loans, you know, to, to help cover some of the loss during that time. You know, when these multi-billion dollar corporations and teams and stuff like that are taking money, fuck you going after one person, you know, over how much they took. And uh, again, you mentioned Pod Van Dam, and the, this is the take that they, most of them, other than Jonah, Jonah skews to the right, but uh, it's okay, he doesn't listen to this. But, uh, you know, other, the take that they gave was get what you can get. If you're eligible for something, you're eligible for it, you know? And uh, we stand with Bix on this show. Absolutely. This is a Team Bix, Pro Bix show. And uh, one day Pat will come around. <laughs> not on this show yeah we'll say we'll say all right joe so i'm going to go ahead and do a like and i watched this past week on jerry's internet wrestling emporium i watched iwtv untitled and this for those who did not watch it this was kind of like a sampler of a bunch of different promotions that uh perform under uh, across the territories, if you will. Uh, but the, the reason why this is in my likes, many good reasons, but uh, I got to see uh, Avery Good with Dan Champion retain the Camp Leapfrog title. Uh, that was a fun match. I discovered Megan Bain. How you doing? Um, and also I got to watch for the AIW Tag Team Championships. I got to watch the Philly Marino Experience, a.k.a. Broski number one and Broski number two. Uh, defeat the Rip City Shooters, Joshua Bishop and Wes Barkley. And I very much enjoyed a lot of the stuff. There was a, a match that had a little bit too much of a too much too many Sharpies in it uh, for my taste. But mm. uh, I'm coming around and it's not as bad as it used to be. But uh, all for all those reasons, this is in my likes, Joe. And Joe, I'm also going to say for my first dislike. I'm going to also put some elements of IWTV untitled. And that is the fact that the crowd, all like 15 of them, uh, did not give a shit about the AIW match. And I get it. It's not Cleveland. It's not the Ohio area. But all four of those guys were busting their ass, getting color. There was very little reaction uh, to the match. Like, I enjoyed it. But maybe it's because I'm slowly becoming an AIW mark, hopefully. And also, we got to see Alex Shelley defeat Wheeler Yuta for the IWTV world title, which was a great match. But... uh. You know, 
all of a sudden it's possible to have an IWTV title match or uh, that doesn't go an hour and in like sweltering heat. Where was that a couple months ago? I would have appreciated it if we got a quick match like that when I was at the H2O venue. But uh, like I said, this was a, a very fun show. I have nitpicks, but uh, it was a nice sampler of a lot of different things. And it's in my likes and my dislikes. So uh, let's say this is in my likes. Okay. Um, this was a very enjoyable show. Um, I'll have you know it was 26 paid. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I don't know. I got a lot of concerns and issues with that venue. Um, I think Bloodstorm Pro ran a, a show there. Uh, Camp Leapfrog ran a show there. It's the normal sh- building where H2O runs and like they can get their people to show up but they don't seemingly able to get other people to show up yeah but i let i'm gonna chalk things up too it's still a pandemic and there are still people that are leery to come out i know a lot of times coming out on a friday sometimes can be difficult etc etc but definitely check out that show that show if not as adam mentioned it's a great sampler for everything that the indies can kind of do today uh open up your eyes to some new promotions um i know the pwf folks premier wrestling federation out of north carolina has been on the come up lately kind of building off of the backs of the steve carino versus colby carino match that they had a couple months ago that i think it's up free on youtube if you're not an iwtv subscriber definitely check that out but the rocket that has been strapped to the back of bojack uh someone who i got a chance to see firsthand maybe about a year and a half almost two years ago uh when he came up for one of the let's hang out events and he has kind of uh gotten so much better he's getting a lot more opportunities he's being put in the ring with uh either people that he could showcase what he could do uh, like he did in this match. And I think he may have even been on the beyond uncharted territory event that's on this evening. And then in the upcoming near future, he has a singles match coming up with jigsaw and uh, you know, jigsaw is one of those people kind of like hollow wicked where quietly one of the best wrestlers on the independence that hasn't been signed, doesn't get signed, is it on TV, etc. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's getting, uh, I like discovering talent, new talent that I've never seen before. I like seeing people that I saw two, three, four, five years ago, and now they're still at it and they've gotten better as opposed to staying the same or getting worse, which sadly sometimes happens. Uh, but definitely check out that, uh, look at PWF, um, you know, definitely on the rise. Yeah. And as far as the the show with its, you know, 26 paid or whatever, I would love to go to things like that if it wasn't, you know, close to three hours away for us. Because sure. it, it, it was a good time and it would probably would have been something to, you know, it was a little bit for everybody, but it's in a location for us. It's just not practical. Right. All right. Well, I just blew off two things there, Joe. So what was, do you got left? What do you got left? I have a dislike. OK, so you do your dislike and then I could do my like and my dislike together. Perfect. All right, Joe. So my last dislike is I, I I made the mistake again. I was looking for something to talk about, <clears throat> but uh, I watched NXT Two Point Glow this week, and specifically the thing that's in my dislikes is the television segments, interview segments, vignette. I don't know what it is, but it's called lashing out with Lash Legend. And I think I've been fortunate enough that I might have missed the first installment or one of the previous installments. But 
This is the first time it fell on my radar. And how bad does a segment have to be, Joe, to be noticeably worse than the rest of the NXT Two Point Glow? Like there was literally a match during this show between a boxer and a poker player, and lashing out was still worse. When lashing out was worse, I was hoping for another toxic attraction promo, Joe. <laughs> I'd rather watch a grizzled young vets match than watch this. I'd rather watch Joe Gacy gently caress the cheek of a large tattooed man than watch lashing out. It was so bad. Uh, and that's what I get for trying to farm dislikes by watching NXT. But uh, that's my my second dislike this week. I do have to add a little bit more uniformity to the spreadsheet before I share it with everyone. Okay. Um, but uh, you're you're talking about uh, Grayson Waller, uh, who this week was a boxer. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last week, he was a thrill seeker. <laughs> and the week before that, he was Drake Maverick's friend. <laughs> I absolutely loved, and it could have made my likes last week, that that guy has a poker player gimmick. <laughs> well, again, if you remember, he was Brendan Vink. Uh, he had gotten called up to the main roster um, on Raw, and then immediately back down to NXT last year during, like, the beginning of the pandemic. No, I remember none of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I said, he was Brendan Vink for a while, and then he was in the, uh, what was it, the Top Talent Tournament? As Duke Hudson. Yeah, I didn't watch it. And his gimmick was Australian. <laughs> and then for the first two weeks of NXT Two Point Glow, his gimmick was Australian. And then last week, now he's actually like a shoot poker player. Like he's like really big into that sort of thing. So uh, it's like take your take what you do and like a thing that you do in real life. It's like when Steve Kern was looking to get a job at the World Wrestling Entertainment and he you know, had Gators as pets, he became Skinner. Mm. And in his meeting with Bruce and Vince, he said that he likes to play poker, and now he's a poker player on TV. <laughs> That's how it goes sometimes in the crazy world of NXT two-point glow. Yeah. They're all wrestlers in the ring. I uh, gotta work on a rhyme or a rap or something. <laughs> uh, I don't know, like, it's so I don't, I, I haven't given up on NXT two-point glow just yet. Yeah, well, you're the only one. But that spreadsheet keeps you sane, though. That's the thing. It does. Yeah. It does. Um, okay, so my like. Uh, Adam, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but the war between the World Wrestling Entertainment and All Elite Wrestling is heating up. I did notice. So last Friday, uh, due to some non-wrestling sport, who cares, um, they announced that for this upcoming week, uh, SmackDown is going to be on FS1. And it's going to be a supersized SmackDown that's going to be two and a half hours long, cutting into the overlap of the first hour of uh, Rampage. Shots fired. So Tony Khan comes back and says, okay, well, uh, let me uh, rearrange the card and let me put on Rampage instead of Brian Danielson versus Bobby Fish. Let's instead do Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> so then World Wrestling Entertainment comes back and says that last half hour in FS1 is going to be commercial free. So then Tony Khan says, all right, well, we're going to do an episode of the buy-in free on YouTube starting at 930. 
And that's where we're going to put Brian Daniels versus Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> and then even further today, uh, Tony Khan decided to extend the buy-in to now start at 9 o'clock. Oh. And has added a Conti match. Well, oh, the war's over, dude. Right. Pack up WWE. Turn the light off. <laughs> Who's so, your wrestling? I didn't see this. Yes. Well, this was like li- this was literally um, like seven o'clock tonight um, oh, that they announced that that it was going from nine thirty to nine, and they added that. And I think there's another match that's on the buy-in as well. Um, but I like, like, let's go. You know what I mean? Like you guys are both on Friday night. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm, I'm moving permanent. If I can, if TNT will allow me, I'm moving rampage either eight o'clock or nine o'clock. Let's go. Let's take down SmackDown. Now with all the hubbub about WWE allegedly not seeing AEW as competition. Allegedly. uh, Allegedly. Is there any possibility that they... Whoever made this decision didn't take AEW into account when they added that half hour. Like, they're just like, man, we're going to give everybody more, you know, I don't know. I was about to say Roman Reigns, but more Roman Reigns is awesome. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a chance that it wasn't meant to be a shot? So uh, it's 100% a shot. Yeah. Uh, This is the same company where one of their senior whatever position my sweet Brucey has on his podcast last week said, he did not hear of who Kenny Omega was until 2019, even though he was in WWE developmental when Bruce worked for the company. And there's video and audio from 2017 and 2018 of Bruce talking at length about Kenny Omega. So I definitely think their public statement is that it's not competition and they're not even aware of them. They're not even competing for the same audience, but behind the scenes, they absolutely are working as hard as they can to do everything that they can. And uh, I'm glad Tony's uh, taking the fight to him. Yeah. Well, if you take a shot, you better not miss. It looks like they're missing, you know? Well, again, time will tell, you know? Um, <laughs> Let it play out, Joe. We'll see how right. it plays out. Yeah. <laughs> now, where this goes into for my dislike is, is how this has energized some of the wrestlers at World Wrestling Entertainment and all of the fan base for the most part, online. (laughs) Uh, There was a bit with uh, Dollar King of Hit Row, who was making fun of people for the types of sneakers that they wear. And then I had to care about people's shoes today on Twitter, (laughs) which ruined my day. A lot of my dislikes are, did it ruin my day? And if it ruined my day, it goes into the dislikes. Yeah, like if you, first of all, if you care about shoes, let's say if you're like a shoesy type person, like you should be ashamed of yourself, all right? (laughs) I wouldn't say that you should be ashamed of yourself, but what I should say is I, this wouldn't be in my dislikes if top dollar was like, Oh man, you say you have the first appearance of spawn, but I have the real first appearance of spawn (laughs) in this issue of previews, you know? Oh yeah. (laughs) And then the bucks come back and change their profile that we have the CGC graded Pacific sun or whatever the hell it was, uh, where it's a misprint of the first appearance of spawn, you know, it's that sort of thing. I'm like, Oh, this is, I understand this, but I have no frame of reference when you say, you know, this type of Nike versus that type of whatever. And like, it, it doesn't resonate with me. I don't, it's, it's like they're speaking another language because they are speaking another language. The only silver lining to that is there was a lot of discussion of, New Balance sneakers on the timeline today, and that's always a positive. Um, but the fan bases, right? 
you can like more than one professional wrestling company. Sure. And I know, I think MVP came out and said, uh, he's like, man, I can't, I can't get why uh, so many people are so like, oh, you know, AEW versus WWE. You don't see Coke, co- like soda companies doing this. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you do. Yeah. Like you, you see it. This is, this is what builds competition for the entirety of the eighties thing called the cola wars where coke changed their entire formula to taste more like pepsi because pepsi <laughs> was beating them a two to one on taste tests you have fast food wars you have car wars you have everything wars everything is a competition to be number one now you could narrow you could go as wi- like as wide as cars or fast food places but then you could even go as narrow cast in something that's happened within the last two to three years which is the chicken sandwich wars. <laughs> Every fast food company is competing with each other to see who has the best fast food sandwich. So much so that Taco Bell has a chicken sandwich. Granted, <laughs> it's a shitty taco shell with chicken fingers in it, but they had to do something, right? Ooh, what time do they close tonight? <laughs> I think they, according to their commercials, they're always open late. So, oh, all right. <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying is, to be on either side, whether you're a fan or you work for the company, and to say that there is no competition, to say that this sort of competition doesn't happen in other forms of commerce, to whatever. I think so many people are handling this wrong, and it's not a situation of, like, you should handle things like me, but I still like WWF. I still watch SmackDown every week. I still watch NXT 2.0 Glow every week. I kind of sort of watch Raw on YouTube and stuff, but there's people who's like, oh man, this makes me a WWE stan because they did this. Or there's people that are like, oh man, I'm an AEW stan because Cody did a book drive or something like that. I like a wrestler. Even when I was a fan of ECW back in the day, I never bought ECW shirts. I bought a wrestler's shirt. I'd buy a Sabu shirt or a Raven shirt or a Public Enemy shirt. I was always more of a fan of the person than the company because when it boils down to it, the companies, you know, are faceless, soulless things, no matter how much positive their front facing thing may be. And, you know, people do make a lot of good points that in their long history, um, you know, for over 50 years, the recognized leader in sports and entertainment, um, they've covered up child molestations. uh, They've done a lot of horrible things. And in the 80s and early 90s, WWE did a lot of horrible things to try to stop other promotions, no matter how big or small they were. Uh, Everything from, like, trying to screw Herb Abrams, of all people, by hiring people out of his contract or firing people from WWE, but specifically not letting them wrestle for Herb Abrams, or running shows in the same building as the next day there would be a WCW pay-per-view and purposely running the show long over curfew so that the cleanup crew didn't have time to get ready for the WCW pay-per-view the next day. So these are always calculated moves that WWE does. So if you could say like, Hey, I don't like WWE because of these things, I'm not going to argue with you, but this rivalry has energized a fan base on the AEW and the WWF side that is like so negative and so rotten that they go and search people out. Like there's there was a guy on my timeline 
who Wednesday was like, hey, there's no dynamite today. So I'm going to watch this. And it was a two minute gif of Hangman Adam Page's entrance from Dynamite last week. Okay. Because it was a great moment. And it was. It was a huge pop. It was a great moment. It was this whole thing, right? So he then gets inundated by dozens of people, all who say the same response, which means there are groups of people out there who are performing calculated attacks on people who are tweeting positively about AEW. Just like I'm sure there are calculated attacks by AEW fans against people who are saying positive things about WWE. Do you think there's any possibility? All right, so this happens, and I forget the exact context, but uh, uh, I think it was something with, like, one of the NBA teams or, or NFL teams, you know, uh, said something positive towards, like, Black Lives Matter or, or the taking the knee or something like that, and there was just this outpouring of these right-wing Twitter accounts saying, like, I'll never watch another, you know, L.A. Lakers game again in my life. And it was always the same stuff verbatim from these, like, you know, basketball fans 72847111 on Twitter, you know, and it was just like all these, like, obvious you know, bots attacking it. Do you think there's any chance that like WWE has an army of bots? Like some of these stands might not be real. Cause at the end of the day, is it likely that every single one of them has a picture of Sasha Banks as their profile picture? And every single one of them couldn't think of a better screen name than to have 15 random numbers. Like I don't want to rule out the possibility that there's a good chance that there's just something that's vanity searching AEW and is just programmed to shit on it and do pro WWE stuff. So I, I will throw this out there in the interest of fairness. Some of them have Roman Reigns avatars as well. Not just <laughs> Sasha Banks ones. Fair and balanced. You're right. Do, do I think that this is direct from WWE? No, but I do definitely think it is direct from a group of WWE fans that are doing this, that they have the bots. And I don't think WWE cares on a social media level to do that sort of thing, but I think their fan base does. Okay. Well, at the same time, WWE, if they're their hashtags are being used, positive or negative, it's still trending, you know, and they can say from a clout standpoint, yeah, hey, we're being, you know, we're being tweeted at 100 million times. What, you know, they don't go and look and see if they're positive or they're retaliatory or whatever. But but that's that's the thing, you know, I I I get accused of being too mean on social media, but I never go and search out somebody saying like, oh, let me go find the thing that somebody is saying that I don't like. And yeah. tell all of my friends to go tweet this one thing at them yeah. about a wrestling show. Yeah. And to go back to what you said and put a uh, little bow on it, like, obviously, right now, I think it's fair to say between WWE and AEW, we enjoy watching AEW more right now. Right. You know, like over the last couple months, last year, whatever it is. But if it was a tie, if they were both putting on the same quality of programming, which they're not, but if it was the same quality, you might lean, you know, the tie might go to the company that doesn't have a track record of being scummy people. You there know? you go. So, but uh, right now it's not even a tie. Yes, there's a lot of good people that work for WWE, uh, but they're putting on shitty programming. So if we seem like we're biased towards AEW, it's just because it's the better show and 
if it becomes a, a 50-50 split, it will probably still lean towards AEW because they don't put on uh, shows in front of dictators and tyrants, you know, but uh, maybe more on that later. Yeah, so Is that's that it for me. You? That's my likes and dislikes. All right. Well, Joe, did you know that there's a pay-per-view between now and when we record again? What? Is Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring? Is Kofi Kingston doing his thing? Ruby Riot be on the show. Well, Daniel Bryan shout no, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? That is right next Thursday afternoon-ish. According to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of wrestling information, WWE proudly, wink, presents Crown Jewel. Joe, there's nine matches announced for this must-see event. Do you know the card? I don't acknowledge that this card is happening. I'm not going to be watching it. Um, So I purposely don't know any of the matches, and uh, I don't plan on discussing it next week. Perfect. All right, moving right along to show homework. 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 It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. All right, Joe, you assigned me Escape the Undertaker, the interactive film on Netflix starring uh, The New Day and The Undertaker. And this, uh, as I mentioned, is kind of an interactive movie where you have to make a bunch of choices that drastically, drastically, drastically alter the the plots and all the scenes of the movie, Joe. Uh, What you saw might have been completely different than what I saw and not at all the same three clips, just with different members of the New Day in the same scenes. But I went ahead and I I went down a certain path. There was a couple times where I made a bad decision and they immediately gave me the option to do the opposite. So I, I took that advice. But I'll run you through what I experienced and you can let me know as we go uh, if you did some things differently. And uh, we'll go from there. This is going to be a kind of a difficult one to uh, to go over for show homework. No, I think this is going to be easy. And like I said, if you want to get a more text version of this, if you don't have Netflix or whatever, uh, go check out front of the show, Kevin Hellion's website, masklibrary.com, where he does his, he has his write-up recap decisions he made uh, and overall thoughts of Netflix's original series, Escape the Undertaker. Yeah. All right, so this starts off with a little bit of like a clips package of The Undertaker in the ring and Paul Bearer, you know, to establish the power of the urn. But the interesting thing about this right off the rip is that you have Michael Cole and Pat McAfee like doing the voiceovers like, oh, the power of The Undertaker, what can stop him? And you have Pat McAfee calling Paul Bearer stuff. McAfee obviously was never, you know, calling uh, Paul Bearer stuff because Paul Bearer hasn't been around for a while. But that kind of stood out like a sore thumb. But uh, we have uh, Mark working on putting flair on the urn. The first time we see him, he's like at an angle grinder, like cutting up all these little uh, decorative things to put on what uh, is essentially 
uh, a cage that is being wrapped around the urn. And we, we later learn that just so that the urn can't just be taken off the counter uh, where in the undertaker's house, it's locked up in this little thing. But uh, the undertaker right off the, right out the beginning asks, are you brave enough to wield my urn? And I answered, yes. Uh, I should have just answered no, and it would have been over with, but I did promise to go through with this. So my first right. question I, was yes. I was going to say, I do want to chime in here. Uh, so I typically, when I watch stuff, I, I watch it with the subtitles on because it helps me focus a little bit better. Okay. Uh, during the opening thing where they're, we're being given the history of The Undertaker, and it's Michael Cole and Pat McAfee, according to the subtitles, it's announcer one and announcer two. <laughs> they don't even get named uh, in the subtitles well, uh, on this. And uh, where was I'm it? Not, so, uh, yeah, so I'm with you. I made the first choice. Uh, yeah, I am brave enough. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, WWE doesn't want the referees named. I'm sure the commentators will be next. Right. But anyways, uh, so this place that The Undertaker supposedly lives in looks like, the, like a mansion that The Bachelorette would be filmed at with just a couple spooky candles laid out. Like, it's a really expensive, fancy mansion from the outside. Uh, and The Undertaker apparently has, like, a really fancy ring security camera system up for, like, being the dead man. Uh, you know, it's pretty advanced. He's got a doorbell camera. He's got all these cameras stuck up all over the place. But we see later on and in various points the undertaker like at this big computer console where he has all of his monitors set up and that's probably the most unbelievable thing about this entire thing like later on undertaker levitates and spoilers like shoots lightning from his hands i believe that more than i believe that uh mark from texas knows how to work all those computers but uh um the uh the new day show up and they are their goal is to get the urn so they can earn uh, they can add the power of the urn to the power of positivity and just become unbeatable uh as they enter the house i believe big e yells out uncle taker so i hope the check is in the mail to final wrestling place um and you are presented with your first question which is should you go upstairs, down to the basement, or to the, the light that's over to the side? And, like, are we going to split up? And I decided to follow the lights with Big E. And uh, what did you do in that scenario? All right. I did the same thing as well. I stuck with Big E. But uh, you, you I, I think – so I'm not sure if you mentioned it. The Undertaker mentions that his the, – the urn – has a constant need to consume souls. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> which is counterproductive to building a contraption where it cannot be removed from the location that it's in, that you need to lure people to it now, which luckily the New Day shows up. He initially rebuffs them when they say they want to use the power of the urn for the power of positivity. And that's when he remembers what he said just minutes ago, that <laughs> the urn has a constant need to consume souls and then decides to let them in. And yes, at this point, uh, I did my so I'll just say this. I did my best to stick with Big E during as much of this as possible. Uh, I, you know, I did a little bit as well. Like a lot of times I picked Big E, but we'll get into that. So. Uh, at choosing Big E, he goes into a room that has uh, all the world titles of The Undertaker are on display, and the giant throne, like the stone throne, is there. Big E decides to sit on it where he is trapped, his arms are trapped, 
and the the chair and the urn begin to suck all of his juices out, which we learn is his soul being uh, sent to like an hourglass that's underneath the contraption that is holding the urn. Um, basically, we learn that uh, if the hourglass reaches the end, Big E's soul will be consumed. And we have to find the keys to unlock the urn uh, because, again, we mentioned that the urn is locked into that pedestal. Um, I forget if they asked there, should they bust out the urn or should they go look for the keys? I don't know. I think I have. That. I know that was a question that was asked, but I don't think I have that written down. And I chose to look for the keys and not bust it out. Of course. Same thing. I, I chose to uh, look for the keys. Yeah. Um, so they asked, do you want to go upstairs or downstairs? I decided to go upstairs and that is where we find Taker's library. And again, I doubt very much so that the Undertaker reads all that stuff unless they are World War II, uh, <laughs> books and maybe following the wrong side. But, uh, <laughs> there is a vial inside of one of the books that is just entitled power. And we are asked, should you keep the vial that says power or leave it? Of course, you're going to keep it. Like, why would you? Oh, I don't want something that will give me the advantage in any battle I have later on. So, of course, I kept that vial. Uh, there's a pressure pad on the floor. And before I get into that, as they were walking up the steps, they see a painting. And it kind of shows, you know, like the, the souls being taken by the urn. And you see somebody in the bottom right of the painting sticking one of the missing keys in the mouth of an alligator. Mm-hmm. So surprise, surprise, surprise. When they get up to the library, there's an alligator like way up on the top of the shelves. A pressure pad on the floor that somebody steps on reveals that the mouth opens. Um, Kofi then finds that when he pulls on a book on the bookcase, it reveals a hidden door. And we are asked should we follow Kofi or stay with the group in the uh, uh, the library? I was confused by this question because I didn't know if it meant, hey, uh, Big E and Xavier are going to follow Kofi and therefore stay together. Or if it meant uh, those two would stay in the library and Kofi would go off on his own. So I wanted to keep everybody together. So I clicked follow Kofi thinking they'd all go. But it just meant that me as the viewer of this presentation followed Kofi and I didn't get to see what was going on in the library. Okay, uh, so I stayed with Biggie and Xavier. Okay. Uh, you saw the thing where Xavier lifted Biggie up and he couldn't get it? Yep. So when Kofi leaves, Biggie gives Xavier a boost. Um, but then he gets like knocked away, uh, Biggie, where he comes off of the pressure panel. Yeah. Xavier's hand is in the alligator and the, the thing comes down on his hand. He starts freaking out. Biggie regains his composure, steps on the thing again. Xavier comes free. He catches Xavier and Xavier sells like his hand got a uh, bit off, but it's just the gimmick where you wear a long sleeve shirt. And you pull your hand up it. Right. Yeah. But he ends up getting the key. Hurrah. And then they go like, hey, what happened to Kofi? OK, so Kofi uh, ends up in the video control room when you follow him. And, you know, he's seeing all the the videos of Paul Bearer on the screen and the Undertaker shows up. And this is the best part of it. He literally has like a little tiny dish that has a sandwich on it. It looks like a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich cut in triangles. (laughs) And (laughs) nothing wrong with a tasty treat, Adam. Yeah. (laughs) 
And the question that comes up here, he's basically like, you're not supposed to be here. Uh, and you are asked, should you face the Undertaker or flee? And I chose face the Undertaker. And he just bitch slaps you with like one hit. And he knocks out Kofi. And you're immediately presented with the option to redo that and flee. So I chose flee. So uh, I did choose poorly, but it's not like it stopped the movie. It just right. immediately forced me with the choice of uh, fleeing. And uh, at that point, when Kofi like tries to hide from the Undertaker, he's going through the air vents. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, they'd be great if they do like a little diehard homage here. And I swear to God, a second later, Kofi's like, come to Taker's Mansion, have a couple laughs. <laughs> and I died. It was awesome. Um but we go back to the the three of them being together. Xavier found the key. Uh, he unlocks half of the urn's lockup thing. Oh, I'm sorry. This is where I was asked, do you want to bust the urn or keep looking? So I chose keep looking. Um, I apologize. I had that the out of the wrong order. Yeah, yeah. Because you only have half the key, so the thing only half opens. Yeah, yeah. look for the rest of the key. Okay. So uh, they have to go downstairs to the morgue where they oh, find- you forgot. Okay. Uh, you forgot. Uh, while that's going on, Biggie like pukes up like the purple slime. Okay. Yep. He's like the ectoplasm or whatever. Right. Um. Because yeah, he's getting sicker and weaker because his soul is draining. Uh. But they go down to the morgue, all three of them. I think I'm in good shape at this point because I still have the 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 trio. I wasn't sure if they were gonna drop off like individually. You know, if I did poorly, but I have the three of them. I'm feeling okay. So uh, they go down to the morgue. Uh, Dr. Uh, Isaac Yankum, DDS, is on the slab as a dead body. They find that out by reading his toe tag. Uh, f- they see across the morgue, the, the, the remaining key is sitting there underneath like a glass dome, but fog starts rolling in. Xavier wants to enter the fog, and everybody else wants to kind of stay back because the fog is dangerous. We are presented with the option of staying back or following Xavier. I chose to stay back. Xavier ends up getting taken out by the Undertaker, who was like transformed by the mist, like transported in by the the fog. So we are left with Kofi and Big E. Kofi, okay. the, go ahead. So I chose to go into the fog, assuming like how you said before, where it doesn't make it clear that like oh it's gonna split them off, right? Yeah. So I assume like okay they're gonna they're gonna relent and go with Woods into the fog, and they don't. Woods goes into the fog by himself, but it sounds like it's the same exact thing that happens anyway because the Undertaker just materializes behind him. They start like, look behind you, look behind you, look behind you, and Undertaker gets uh, Xavier. Yeah, I'm beginning to think a lot of the choices you make are irrelevant in this chat. (laughs) But uh, so Xavier's taken out by the Undertaker. Uh, and they, they want to avoid the fog. So Kofi climbs up onto the uh, the slab, the rolling slab, uh, asks Big E to give him a push. The, it kind of slides halfway across the room, not not far enough. Big E has to climb up onto the wall, you know, to avoid the fog. Uh, they decide uh, Big E, I'm sorry, Kofi does his best ultimate X impersonation and, and shimmies across the pipes across, you know, to get across the room. Uh, get the remaining key. The the the, the 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 fog clears. Take a shot, uh, and then we kind of go back to the room that has the urn. Xavier just kind of pops out of the the cabinet or whatever it was. So there was no consequences to being taken out by the Undertaker. All three of them are together 
They're about to go for the urn. They realize that the keys lock together to form one big key. The urn releases. Biggie's soul is re- restored. Um, and then it asks, do you want, I think I have, a, I'm missing some notes here, but the undertaker probably comes in and says like, in order to use the urn, you're going to have to confront your number one fear. And it basically says Xavier, Kofi, Biggie. I chose Xavier cause maybe like his biggest fear involves a, a tape with page, but, uh, oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, so I chose Xavier and here's the thing, Joe, my totally unique experience was Xavier's biggest fear was being buried alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently that was everybody's biggest fear was being buried alive. Unless. Uh, no. Well, really, because uh, I believe the one that Kevin had was being buried alive. Who did you have? OK, so I again, I stuck with Big E. OK, so I think he had Kofi. Right. So Big E ends up getting a big giant glass box on his head that has spiders in it. Oh, see that like um, if you're gonna have one unique one for Biggie, why is Kofi's and Xavier's the same? That's yeah. Lazy. So I think okay, so I think they're close because I think if I remember reading from Kevin's, Kofi's was he was in a cat, he like he was in a casket and it was claustrophobia as opposed to like being buried alive. Again, six of one, half a dozen the other. They're more or less the same thing. Um, but it's a thing where they keep putting spiders in the box. Uh, and they actually even telegraph that one a little bit earlier in the story as they're going up the stairs, maybe. Uh, Biggie notices in the library there's like a, a giant spider like encased in glass, yeah. and he kind of just flinches from it, right? Yeah. So Undertaker appears, and he says, uh, I have these bolt cutters. Uh, you can use it to unlock the thing that's on your head. All you have to do is join me. And you make the choice of either joining The Undertaker or not. I chose not. And uh, Biggie's like, power of positivity, power of positivity. Spiders can be our friends. Spiders can be our friends. And then it just kind of resolves itself. Yeah, so obviously I had the same thing. Join The Undertaker or stay loyal. I chose stay loyal because I'm trying to win this, so I don't have to redo it. Right. But all three of them reunite inside of individual coffins that they're able to just get out of. Um and they're in basically, you know, the the cellar of this million dollar mansion, but they're going to have to go through the Undertaker to get the urn. And you are presented with the option of who's attacking first. So I, of course, went with my heavy. Uh, I went with Big E and Big E gets bitch slapped right away. And uh, who did you choose? Big E, I Big, assume, right? Big e as well. Yeah. Yeah. I figure if you have one, if you only have one guy going in there, you got to go with Big E. Um, but it does not work. They have to work together. Um, so they all just kind of attack him at once. It doesn't seem to get very good result results because the undertaker, as I mentioned earlier, has Sith powers. He's shooting yes. lightning. He's he, levitating. He's essentially like emperor, emperor Palpatine in this scene. Yeah. He's like unlimited white power. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> just Mark from Texas. Um, he kicks their asses. Uh, taker decides he's going to take all of their souls uh kofi in my thing knocks out the ta- undertaker with like a big pizza tray uh taker quickly sets up and you were basically presented with the option to take the urn or destroy it now i remember last week when you were pitching this this homework to me i didn't know if you knew something i didn't know because you said you know don't come back to me unless you have the urn so i'm like well i should probably try taking the urn because that's the objective that joe gave me so I took it, 
and it immediately teleported the trio to outside the house where they're like, yay, we're free. Nothing else happened. Let's go home. And I'm presented with uh, a redo. What about you? Did you okay. take it or destroy it? So going into this, I'm like, well, the object is to take the urn. You're going to take the urn. But in watching it and experiencing the event, I'm like, okay, the the thing is telling me that the urn is no good. So yeah. I think I should destroy the urn, which is what I attempted to end up doing. And luckily, um, you know, I got the power potion earlier from the library. And as I understand it, you could get to this point in the story without taking the potion from the book. Mm. But if you get to this point, it makes you go back. It only gives you the, it doesn't give you the option to destroy the urn. It makes you go back to the library and like replay all that, everything up to that point again and get you to force you to take the whatever. I gotcha. See, one of the things I wish, like when you get presented with the option, you get that little time bar across the bottom and I get nervous because I'm like, I got, I got to pick one quick. Like if I had time to sit there and just like really like, figure it out like there are games like rpg style games like mass effect i'm a big fan of and you're presented with a dialogue tree of how you're going to respond to something and there are times when like i have to decide like do i kill this character do i save this character whatever and back when i used to smoke in my house playing video games i'd like put the controller down and light one up because i wanted to take time to decide the ramifications of my choice and i definitely didn't have that kind of time on this so a lot of times especially with destroying versus taking the urn i just went to a knee-jerk reaction but anyways i did the redo it brought me back in and basically at this point i'm going to destroy the urn biggie drinks the the power vial uh grabs a sledgehammer on the on the ground uh smashes the the urn and taker and the undertaker disappear uh, a casket that's glowing in the other side of the room uh, kind of gets their attention. They go near it. It teleports them outside. They all celebrate very similarly to the other ending I had. And then we get basically presented with uh, a choice of face your fears or rest in peace. Um, I chose rest in peace because I didn't really know which way one was going to take me. Uh, then we get Mark from Texas doing like a slow clap, you know, like this all patronizingly. And he says, you know, that you escaped, but you weren't corrupted by the urn. So I'm like, I think I got the optimum ending with that. I wasn't sure. But uh, what did you do with Face Fears, Rest in Peace? Okay, so I picked Face Your Fears. Okay. And it skips the the little ending with Mark, but it gives you the opportunity to go back so that you get the little uh, Undertaker cutscene. Okay. Um, so now, I will say this. Um obviously watching this with the subtitles on at one point as they're leaving and walking down the street or whatever. Um, at one point, this, the person doing the subtitles thinks they say shit, <laughs> but they certainly don't, but it's in the subtitles. That's some new day um, shit right there. <laughs> also, obviously as they're walking away with the ADR, um, because at this point, You've made certain little choices that really don't affect anything. But mm -hmm. as they're walking down the road, they talk about what happened. And because there's going to be a different voice track and different clips that get played, depending on what choices you made during the course of things, there are no subtitles for that part. Okay. Because, like, they talk about different things depending on what you chose. 
during the course of the whatever. Like, it's that part is tailored to the choices that you made throughout the thing. Oh, okay. I didn't really even notice that. Uh, my only other thing that I have to, I guess, not complain but lament about, there mm-hmm. was some continuity issues, specifically in regards to The Undertaker's hair. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I know at first I thought it was, like, bald taker, but at the end, when he's sitting in the chair and he gives you, like, the doff of his John Cena hat, you could tell that he has a long braid. But then for the fight sequence, when he takes his hat off, his hair is, like, all long and down and scraggly, and Mark is looking rough these days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, is the HD uh, or 4K because I have uh, 4K Netflix on a 4K TV. It makes it even worse. So uh, it wasn't the best. <laughs> he definitely looks undead, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? I enjoyed it for what it was. There definitely it was nothing like the Black Mirror Bandersnatch that I talked about last week, where you can have completely different movies, so to speak. Yeah, you know this. You're getting more or less. 80%, 85% of the same content, no matter what choices you made, it just kind of forced you to do things over again, you know? And, um, I do think that you missed, if you didn't see the diehard reference, I think that was my favorite thing in the entire, entire clip. Yeah. Um, so I'll say this. So you have like little bits like that. Okay. Where it's like a diehard reference or something. There should have been more tailored things to make you do it again. Yeah. Like the bit with, um, seeing the body in the mortuary, the morgue or whatever, that has the Isaac Yankum toe tag, right? Yeah. You could do a bit depending on what choices that you've made to this point. Maybe you get that, or maybe it's somebody else's name on the toe tag. Maybe it's Katie Vick. Or something, right? (laughs) Um, Also, like, no matter what choices you make early on, it's always Biggie's soul that gets taken. Yeah. Why not film three different bits of, like, if you choose this, it's Xavier's soul. If you choose this, it's Kofi's soul. If you choose this, it's Biggie's soul, right? Yeah, and have a, a tree branch out from yeah. the world. Like, you know, it, no matter what you did, Biggie's soul was compromised. And then yeah. you kind of had two trains you can go down, you know? And, like, if you had a Kofi uh, soul taking, at least give you two more possible endings. I don't know. It feels like you were going to get the same ending no matter what. Right. But- I think it was kind of lazy. Like, I get it, you know. So, I, not lazy, but I'll say good for a first effort. Yeah. Um, I liked the look of the Undertaker's mansion, castle, or whatever it was. And if and when the day comes and Disney or Universal or whomever purchases the World Wrestling Entertainment, I think the, uh, like, Escape the Undertaker's Castle would be a great amusement theme ride. Yeah, or like Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, like it could be like the WWE theme park's version of Haunted Mansion. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, I obviously have homework to assign to you, right? Yes. And I mentioned last week that I'm going to have to kind of put a pin in assigning AIW stuff because it's just been too good to assign. And I need to go back to my roots. And my homework assignment for you for a mass library and for anybody else brave enough to participate because it is spooky season, Joe. And what's more spooky than a wrestler coming out to a Ghostbusters themed entrance in free the narrative. 
Free the Narrative, available for free on YouTube. The link will be in the show notes. Just an hour 27 of, I'm sure, just fantastic wrestling and fantastic storytelling and production and all that stuff. And I'm not going to say who slid into my DMs to tell me that this was available, but uh, if you know, you know. (laughs) But yes, free the narrative, Joe. Just part one, right? What's that? Just part one, right? Yeah, part part one, because they were iPay-per-views, so I have not seen any of it. Um, And I guess part two is available shortly or is out, but it's you got to pay for it. The first one is just free on YouTube right now. Yeah, I, I think the second part is going up free this weekend at some point. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to watch Free the Narrative. <laughs> so, yeah, back to back to my roots of assigning <laughs> terrible I, stuff. I feel like William. <laughs> so, uh, also, this past week was uh, Dark Side of the Ring, Bruiser Bedlam. Uh, again, I'm sure someone you know little to nothing about yeah and honestly i would have been fine continuing to not know much about him just because here's the thing it was a perfectly good entertaining hour of television right but it was not a story that i was clamoring to learn about nor is it something that i'm going to care about immediately after i watched it you know what i'm saying it's not one of those things that was like this has been talked about and whispered in the wrestling community for the last 30 years. It's just another guy in the wrestling business who went down a, a shitty path and had a colorful career. And I'm just like, all right, that was interesting, but I didn't really care about it. You know, uh, I thought there was fun stuff looking at the old archi- archival footage when he was a job guy in world wrestling entertainment uh, yeah. The clip of Gorilla Monsoon spending way too much time talking about his motivations on an episode of Primetime Wrestling I got a kick out of. <laughs> like, why does he do the X, Brain? <laughs> <laughs> like, Brain's like, I don't know what the hell he's doing, you know? Um, I do recall his uh, time in Smoky Mountain because I was getting those tapes through trading uh, at the time. And obviously they mentioned how big of a deal it was for even though there was like a bunch of inter- interference and shit like that. The fact that Macho Man, while still under WWE contract, this was like shortly before he leaves and go to WCW, that he puts Bruiser Bedlam over, you know, and that kind of is a a tribute to what sort of selfless character Macho Man was to like come to Smoky Mountain and like put their guy over. Yeah. Um, And I think what I enjoyed was getting more of the puzzle because if you were a fan of wrestling, Smoky Mountain wrestling during that time and you knew who Bruiser Bedlam was. You heard the story of him bombing a police station and you heard of him being in the biker gang and you heard of the true to the crew. Right. But you didn't get much more outside of that. okay? you just got like those like four little bits. This kind of fleshes those stories out a little bit more and kind of tells you everything, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was enjoyable. It was fun. It was like a weird, unique, colorful character in the world of professional wrestling. And, uh, you know. I love stories like this. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. And you know what it is? I I think the reason why, and this is probably for the best, you know, and I'm going to kind of revise my stances and say this. It's for the best that I watched it, it was over, and then I was able to kind of dispose and move on versus most of these Dark Side of the Rings that are causing, like, social media uproars and, yeah. like, 
and calls to cancel people, rightfully so, and and all that. Like this was one of them where it was like, all right, the damage is done. This guy is no longer with us. Nobody went and stood up for like. You didn't have like Chris Jericho be like, oh, I wish he bombed more police stations. You know, like nothing, nothing came out of this that that caused anybody to have any drama. You know, so for that reason, I enjoyed it. But again, it, it was an unmemorable topic in my mind. Yeah, so I think today's, this week's Luna Vachon one is going to kind of be more the same of that. I think Luna is going to come off as kind of a little bit more of a beloved, a little bit more of a misunderstood character, similar to the Canyon one. Um, But the last two, XPW and the WWE steroid trial, uh, batten down the hatches for those ones, Adam. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. All right, Joe. Well... It's that time of the podcast that I think everybody has been waiting for. The gender neutral monarch of at odds wrestling. That's right. It is time to reveal the first half of the competitors to the 2021 Gender Neutral Monarch of At Odds with Wrestling. And Joe, this tournament is sponsored by the Benefactors. I don't know if you saw that late-breaking news this week. We uh, we, ha- we have official corporate sponsorship. Yes, uh, the same two mysterious Benefactors who were uh, so helpful in getting AIW's Go For Broke tournament off the ground uh, earlier in the summer. Uh Again, I have nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> and so I find this stuff out either when I see tweets come out about it yep. or we have this discussion right now on the air. Yep, yep. As Joe mentioned last week, the gender neutral monarch of Ad Outs with Wrestling is solely owned and operated by me, uh, which means all that sponsorship money is going right in my pocket, Joe. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe <laughs> I do want to be a part of this. Hang on. <laughs> um. But as promised, we are going to reveal half of the competitors this week and then the remaining half next week. So I have a, so yes. I saw the graphic. This is an eight-person tournament? No, it is a 16-person tournament. We are unveiling eight people today. Okay. Now, is this eight in addition to the two from last week? Or six, you... six people today, two of which we've included already, and I'll go okay. over this. Yeah. So just like every single year we've done this, we've had 16 spots. Okay. And, well, and it's it's. I don't think we did one last year. We did. Oh no no no. Oh, that's right. It was because we're doing this one later. That's why it's like out of my mind. Yeah. So last year when we had the tournament, it was in an empty arena. But this okay. year we're happy to have the fans back as long as they're vaxxed and masked. Okay. And this. Uh. So again, the the six are in addition to, uh, the strongest man in the land, Arthur MacArthur, and the boar. Who yep. were announced last week. And now this is not any designation of like the order of the tournaments. Like Artie and the Boar aren't facing each other. The next two aren't facing each other. These are just six random people, right? Let me explain, Joe. I'll get to all that for you. All right. So what we're going to do is imagine a, a, a tournament bracket where we have eight people on one side and eight people on the other side. I could picture it just like the graphic that you tweeted out. Yeah, exactly. If you have that graphic in front of you, go ahead and look at it. So I am not going to unveil anybody's opponents this week oh okay so what you will hear is starting if you imagine the top left of the bracket it'll be uh the boar 
versus just a blank space. So we do not know who the boar is facing. But we right. know we'll find out next court. week. Exactly. Now, here's the thing, though. The boar or his opponent will face the winner of this next matchup. And that involves a to-be-named competitor and the champion of Pod Van Dam, Hook. So Hook is our first named competitor this week. Okay. All right. Right beneath those those uh, two people, we have the representative of IWTV Guide, which is Danhausen. And uh, the other person in that neighborhood of the bracket, so if Danhausen advances past his opponents, which he may, he may not, he will face the winner of this next matchup, which is, you know, to be determined. And the champion of Mass Library, Kevin Hellions. And this is my pick, Joe, to go all the way. I just want to say this. I, I know I shouldn't influence anybody, but the mysterious and handsome stranger. All right, so all the way over to the other side of the bracket, we've already announced Arthur McArthur, the strongest man in all the land. So next week we'll find out who he goes against. But his potential opponent, Joe, and the pick of wrestling cheers is, well, you know what, Joe? I'm not good at speaking on podcasts, so let me have somebody else do this for me. Hello, At Odds with Wrestling and At Odds with Wrestling Universe. This is Justin Summers from Wrestling Cheers. And I am here to make my official pick for Wrestling Cheers representative for the gender-neutral monarch of At Odds with Wrestling. First and foremost, I do want to say I smell a little bit of collusion. Seeing how my absolute and intense champion, Matt Cardona is ineligible if i'm correct zach Ryder was in this tournament not matt cardona not the deathmatch king i've been in contact with my lawyer smart mark sterling and we are going to have this settled for probably not this year but for next year so if i can't pick the current reigning and defending aiw absolute champion the current reigning and defending aiw intense champion Everybody's favorite broski, Matt Cardona. Then I guess I'm going to have to pick a franchise player. But I, no, I can't pick Shane Douglas because he's not really active. So, no. Well... How about <laughs> All right, now like I can't pick New Jack. He's definitely not active. Not at all. So, if I'm going to pick anybody to re- represent Wrestling Cheers in the gender neutral monarch of at odds with wrestling tournament, I'm left with only one option. For those of you who don't know, allow me to introduce to you 
the Caribbean Chocolate, the First Lady of 40 Acres, and my pick for wrestling cheers, Jocelyn Navarro. She is going to murder the competition. Let's do this, boys. Well, thank you, Justin, for sending us a very brief audio clip to play on the show. (laughs) (laughs) But you heard that right there. Wrestling Cheers has chosen its champion, and it's Jocelyn Navarro. And I'm very happy that somebody picked her for this tournament, Joe, because if if somebody didn't, I might have. I like the uh, AIW influence uh, so far here in the tournament. Yeah, well, lots, lots of still, a lot of stuff coming up here, though. Um, anyways, uh, we have two more names to, to announce here. We have the pick of Hit My Music, David Kincan, an old DeWiki's picky, and he chooses, and I think you're going to like this one, Joe, Hollow Wicked. I might have uh, guessed this uh, over the weekend knowing david and uh i was questioning how the pick because i forgot how the picks on this work uh mm. no disrespect to anyone else in the tournament but this is uh this is your person to beat all right and uh the last person we're gonna name and i'll just do a quick recap but this is the champion of we need wrestling unbreakable andy I'm I'm surprised they didn't pick Onita, but Onita hasn't <laughs> been in this before, right? Uh, he has not, no. So that is your first eight competitors. Just to recap, we have returning, the only man who's allowed to return to the gender-neutral Monarch tournament, and that is the Boar. We have Hook, the mysterious and handsome stranger, Danhausen, Arthur McArthur, Jocelyn Navarro, Hollow Wicked, and Unbreakable Andy. Now, obviously, Joe, we don't know who they're going to face. Well, I know who they're going to face, but you don't know who they're going to face. The listeners don't know. Um, but we will reveal that next week. But what do you think about this, uh, the first field of eights? You know, obviously, I like it. Uh, it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good crop. I'm surprised Danhausen hasn't been picked before, you know? Yeah, well. Um, I know last year you'd give, given Pod Van Dam a pick, and then, uh, you know, you kind of picked a lot of the people. Uh, yourself and maybe your uh, indie wrestling knowledge wasn't as expanded as it has become in the last like 12 plus months since the last tournament. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see who the next eight are. Yeah, I I have them literally right in front of me and I will not stooge that off to you even off the air. Um, I don't want to know. Exactly. Maybe I can be bought, slide into my DMs, somebody out there, but uh, I'm liking these first round matchups. I'm kind of like fantasy booking in my head. Like, oh, if this person beats this person, they could face this person in the next round. Uh, I'm very excited. And I think uh, with the exception of like a couple people who I can't find a Twitter account for, I think there might be a lot of uh, a lot of interaction from some of these people. I think there's a lot of people that might want to win and they should because look what happened to the previous two winners. You know, Orange Cassidy, superstar, you know, Avery Good, superstar. So I think a lot of good things happen to uh, the the winner of the gender neutral monarch tournament. Right, a definite springboard to superstardom, I would say. Yeah, and just to go one last time, recap: next week I will announce the final eight competitors. So next Thursday, the twenty first, and Friday the twenty second, if I have my calendar dates right, uh, I will put up the polls, and those polls will run for six days. That gives me enough time to kind of. 
adjust the brackets and whatnot. And uh, shout out to Derek Rafalski, friend of the show, the guy that does a lot of the the really good photoshops that we do. Like when there's a shitty photoshop, that's me. But if it needs to look really good, we send it to Derek. And Derek went ahead and designed the brackets this year. Uh, so thank you, Derek. And uh, like I said, I will have the voting go for six days, and that gives me enough time to to send the results over to him and have him added in. And uh, it's just uh, going to be a lot of fun to to follow that. So if you are one of the people listed in this tournament, or you are a fan of one of the people that are on here, make sure you tweet it and retweet it out. And uh, it's on you if you lose this thing. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to go listen to no podcasts and find out that I've been conspiring against you because uh, I think I, I have a very fair bracket set out in front of everybody. Well, I think uh, one of the show images that you uh, sent out, you might have uh, Tony Khan conspiring with you against one person in the tournament. But <laughs> Well, that's just feeding into the story. I'm leaning into it again. Oh, okay. Aside from that one time two years ago, I've been very fair to a certain pig man. <laughs> So uh, you mentioned uh, Friday, October 22nd. That's when the voting starts on these first-round matchups, but that's also uh, the return of Let's Hang Out, uh, returning to National Sokols. Uh, I hope they give me an extension on the year membership that I signed up for January of 2020. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so the matches are starting to come out as we speak. And I definitely need to talk to the elite, the LVAC people's uh, social media folks because some matches get announced everywhere. Some matches get just announced on Facebook. Some matches just get announced on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I think you got to hit all of these social media platforms to get true penetration on the card. Uh, be that as it may, uh, matches that we have so far... Uh, is Bonesaw and Gabby taking on Willow Nightingale and Edith Surreal. Uh, we have a six-person scramble match with Mooney, Love, Doug, Motor, Mortar. I'm not sure how to pronounce that person's name. I'll ask him before the show begins. Crusher, Ethan Wilde, and Haunted Francis. A six-man tag match. Uh, seeing, and again, I feel bad because uh, it's not in the uh, naming conventions on the poster, of course. Uh, Channing Thomas, Jeff Cannonball, and Rex Lawless taking on the newly christened mega spooky powers of Green Ant, the Boar, and Hollow Wicked. Uh, we also have Avery Good, comma, a professional wrestler, was supposed to be taking on Tony Deppin in a cursed matchup that will never happen. Tony Deppin accidentally double booked himself for that night. I'm sure his opponent will be announced here soon, as well as probably one more match, because there's a bunch of people on the show poster that haven't been inserted into matches. Uh, but I will be there in a commentary uh, capacity. Adam will be there in a spectator capacity. Uh, I know DJ and Brett from We Need Wrestling are going to be there. I know Doug from Wings on Wings is going to be there. Uh, so it's going to be a good chunk of the East Coast uh, representatives of the soon-to-be-named network going to be there. Uh, you can still order your uh, your tickets and your shirts online. I think there's less than 10 uh, tickets available as we speak. I tried to do the old gimmick where you go, like, to the Impact Wrestling website and, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to add 80, 80 or, like, 8,000 Eric Young beards to my cart. And then it stops me and says, you can't because there's less than that. So I'm like, 7,000, but only let you do one at a time. 
Yeah. Uh, and you have to actually make the person purchase. You just can't go a hundred and work yourself down from there. Uh, I did see a lot of people are getting their shirts. I didn't get my shirt yet. And I ordered mine the same time as other people that live near me who got their shirts. I got mine today, Joe. Mm. Bastards. <laughs> Bastards. All he is. You know what? It might be the less material, the, the, the easier it is to ship. It just that's faster. <laughs> that's true. They did have to, they, they did have to two. So to uh, sew two shirts together. Um, <laughs> So, you know, uh, the link to buy those tickets will be available still in the show uh, notes for this episode. Uh, T Public Store, uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. If you want to get designs inspired by uh, this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place. Oh, and that's another thing I forgot to mention. Confirmation from watching Escape with the Undertaker with captions on, they do call him Uncle Taker. Yeah, I said that at the beginning. Yeah, but we have like confirmation, like the, the the even like the the subtitle person put that in there. So uh, Marcus and Tim were ahead of the curve, calling him the Uncle Taker. They even have a shirt, uh, you know, probably the least problematic Undertaker shirt uh, in the last <laughs> several years. Um, but you can get those on shirts and stickers and throw pillows and cell phone covers. And this weekend up to the seventeenth uh, is the sale, thirty five percent off anything that you get from there. Uh, support us that way. Uh, make any and all of your Amazon purchases through our affiliate link, which is also in the show notes. Cost you nothing extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Um, of course, also, in uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. IndependentWrestling.tv. We mentioned the Untitled show that happened on Friday. Adam mentioned AIW shows that exist on there. Tons of promotions, tons of your favorite wrestlers. Uh, I don't think, I think Paradigm Pro has two shows streaming this weekend. Uh, but use the promo code at odds to sign up. New subscribers, you don't get anything free, but it lets Jerry know that you came to him by us. Yeah. And Joe, just speaking of IWTV real quick, um, yes. I saw a lot of people tweeting out uh, in response to, I think it was Jerry's uh, IWTV account, but they were asking, who do you want to see? Like, who does the Twitter universe want to see, you know, guest judge or do commentary for or whatever, the masked wrestler? And I know a lot of people nominated you and said, oh, Joe Sposo, we want to see Joe Sposo on there. And you gave it an emphatic no. And I was wondering what was up with that, if you could shed some light on that. Uh, so it's not from uh, a lack of wanting to do it. I think it would be pretty cool, pretty interesting to do. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, depending on when and where uh, it filmed and recorded or what have, what have you. Um, I know last time it filmed, remember where we went to go see that show that like Ethan Page was on in this area. Yeah. True wrestling. Yeah. The true wrestling place. That's where they filmed it last one. I'm assuming that's probably where they're going to film it this time as well. Um, that's 10 minutes, 20 minutes from my house. Not even. Um, but I would never be asked to do this. Um, I don't think Jerry would trust me with something this big. <laughs> um, I'm not one of the people on the IWTV payroll. And I think he needs to get those people that he's already paying money to, things to do um so that's why you'll never see me on something like this but you can do it for a hot dog and a handshake joe i would do it for less than a hot dog and a <laughs> handshake but again i'd still never be asked i get we got asked to do the micro wrestling thing because it was something that came came together literally within 24 hours of it happening 
Mm. Um, if it was something that was more planned out, we would have been nowhere near that. I feel like I've somehow killed your commentary career on IWTV. Like it, no, it came fresh no, no. And again, this isn't anything, you know, uh, I just don't think that Jerry sees me as a fit for what he's trying to do there, mm. which is fine. You know, again, I'm still, you know, I, I think I jokingly said to him uh, that he should have Gary from Smart Mark Video be one of the judges. And that was immediately shot down. We had a good laugh and that was it. I still talk to Jerry all the time. We don't talk about wrestling or IWTV business. We just talk about other stuff. But like I said, I just don't think that I fit whatever they're looking for these projects that they do, you know? All right. I, I disagree. I mean, I agree. I, I respect the fact that that's his take and your take, but I disagree with the notion that you wouldn't fit in that role. So mm-hmm. I, I haven't been expressly told I'm not, but mm. the silence speaks volumes. Mm. All right. I don't like it, Joe. I don't like it. But uh, you know what I do like, Joe? These other podcasts. See? Getting good at these. Uh, those podcasts include, but are not limited to, Longbox Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, We Stand with Bix, so Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam. IWTV guide. Uh, go check out this week's IWTV guide where you can listen to the bore basically blame me for the fact that people in Cleveland vote in polls. Um, <laughs> but uh, also Hellions Talks and The Adam Show, The A Show. So go check out all those podcasts. But uh, I think that's it for the show proper, Joe. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot, but I'm the $100 Vansky, and your figures will be bought. <laughs> right, because now it's time for your favorite segment, the original segment created for this show by us. Weekly purchases. Yep. Uh, I'm chuckling again, thinking about the theme music. It took me a second for that to kick in. But, uh, yeah, Joe, uh, weekly purchases, as always, I, I I don't set out to buy a lot of stuff. And uh, I got a couple things. I got a couple things. Uh, we didn't even talk before we went on to try to balance it out. But I'm just going to assume I have more. Yeah. you. That's a safe bet. Yeah. That's a safe bet. Uh, I will start off. I got tipped off in the major pod group that series two of the Hollywood, the WWE Walmart exclusive Hollywood elite figures went up for pre-order on Walmart's website. And I wanted the Andre, the giant as Bigfoot one. So I got a pre-order for that Joe, which in and of itself is all well and good, but I figured out a new opportunity that I have to tell you about. Ooh. So you know how like websites will do like the, you know, $35 and up gets you free shipping and it doesn't do you any good if you're just trying to order off fig, you know? So like this wall, this figure was, I don't remember if it was $20 or $22, but my choice was buy one and pay $7 shipping or buy two and get free shipping. And I was like, ah, oh, I guess I'll buy two. And then I can always like, I don't know. I could see if somebody wants one or whatever, or flip it on like the, in the major group, whatever. 
But so I, I did two and got the free shipping. And then I went into my account and I just canceled one of them and it let me keep the free shipping. So I'm like, I'm doing this forever going forward when it comes to like Walmart. Um, and I assume the same gimmick, the same opportunity will work on Target, but I know that it works at Walmart. So I'm just going to buy two of everything and just uh, cancel one, unless it's something I do want two of, like it's an Azrael figure. I would keep your eyes uh, on that. I would just make sure that, like, it doesn't readjust itself. Yeah, well, I already got, like, a confirmation saying, like, oh, you've been refunded this, you know, $20 or whatever. And I don't think they could just go ahead and authorize themselves and take 8 bucks. I don't know. But, yeah, as of right now, the opportunity works. So I got the, okay. Andre, the Andre the Giant Elite Bigfoot figure. And I also... Went on a little bit of an out-of-state doll safari yesterday, Joe. I was getting so sick and tired of not being able to find anything around here. And I usually, like I mentioned many times before, I'll do the entire Scranton, you know, Dixon City area. And then I'll I'll go down to your neck of the woods to Wilkes-Barre and sometimes Tunkhannock and, uh, you know, just kind of this area. But every once in a while, I will make the trip up north and I'll go to the Binghamton Vestal area. And just because there's a Walmart up there, there's a Target up there, and there's also a place called Maximum Collectibles that sells a lot of toys. And it's not a vintage toy store. They, they literally just sell, like, NECA's, Marvel Legends, Funko Pops. And I've been there four times. I've never bought anything. But it's there, you know, so I hit up all those places. And while I was there at uh, Walmart, I found AEW Unrivaled Series 5. An entire case was sitting there, like all five figures or six figures. And I bought the Hangman figure, even though I already have a Hangman. I like this one better because it has like the, the beer pitcher and the shot glass. And in the packaging, he has the bandana over his face. So I like that uh, figure. And I also bought the John Moxley figure just because he has like the big uh, platinum uh, world title belt strapped across his chest. And it was just a cool looking figure. You know, I've never had a a Moxley figure that I know of. So I grabbed that just cause they were 20 bucks and what the hell, you know? Yeah. I saw a friend of yours in Asriel collecting Shane Hagedorn was out on a doll safari and he saw the chase Britt Baker just on a peg at target. He was, did he buy yeah. it? Uh, I I'm going to assume he did. All right. Jesus. If he didn't, I'd have to have words with him, but no, I must not have seen that tweet. Was that today? Yeah, it was today. Oh, God. He, he needs to listen. Shane, you're listening to this. You need to tag me in all fig-related stuff. You already tagged me in Asriel stuff, and I appreciate it. I need to be kept abreast of all these developments. But uh, that's awesome. Good for him. Yeah. I, I find it so rare to be able to walk in and actually see an AEW figure. The idea of seeing a chase is just so mind-blowing. Yeah. I, I was, I was like, you know what I mean? Like, it had the 1 in 3,000 sticker or whatever on it. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. You know what? I will be a nice guy and I will triple his money. He just has to let me know. I'm PayPal ready. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, Joe, I'm going to do one more figure then I'm going to throw it over to you. Okay. And a little bit of figure fate. And again, I didn't really get anything of value going to Vestal yesterday. Got a couple Funkos, which I'm on a purge, but, uh, and I got that Hangman of Mox, but it was kind of underwhelming. You know, I listened to some podcasts, but I didn't really buy anything. So today I decided, you know what, it's been a couple days since I hit up just the local Dixon City, Scranton, uh, Target, and Walmart. So in a bit of figure fate, I am right now, and all day I've been wearing my Roddy Piper t-shirt. 
I walked into Target and on the shelf was just one. I would have bought more because I know friends of ours want one. But there was one Target Legend Series 12 Roddy Piper figure. Uh, so I got that. I want the Piper and I want the Kevin Nash, but uh, I have the Piper, so I'm happy. And I figured, hey, I need the Hollywood Elite uh, John Nada They Live Roddy Piper figure. I'm going to go to Walmart and maybe this is going to be the best day ever of Roddy Piper stuff. Uh, but I was not so lucky. They didn't have any there. So it would have been really cool, though, if I got both of the Pipers I need while I was wearing a Piper shirt. Yeah, that would have been good luck. Yeah. I, you know what it was? I had to go home, change into the They Live shirt I bought at the Mahoning Drive-In last year, and right. then it would have been there, but uh, not the case. But, uh, all right, Joe, what did you get this week? So, it was my kid's birthday uh, this past Tuesday. He turned 10. His party is this weekend, just because of scheduling things or whatever. So, it's been a lot of little shit for his party, like the favors and stuff and all that sort of jazz. Uh, but his big gift for his birthday this year was one of those motorized electric uh, razor scooters. Okay. Uh, that sent me back like 150 bucks. Hmm, okay. And uh, I did get something for myself. And again, this is one of those pre-order things. So, you know, how that sort of goes. Sure. Uh, every week when I do my comic book order, uh, I go uh, Wednesday. I look at the Diamond uh previews website what have you to see uh make sure like what's coming out next week what's coming out the following week and one of the items that they had there and again this is a slippery solo i'm a person who tells people don't get funko pops you know <laughs> yeah. uh, but through diamond they had an exclusive uh immortal hulk funko pop that glows in the dark and it has like this it's because it's the Hulk. It's like larger, I guess. Okay. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's their ten-inch pops. Yeah. Um. So he has like gamma radiation all over him. It's kind of, I guess, encapsulating like issue one's cover. Um, okay. and it's the chase that glows in the dark, and it was only twenty bucks. So I'm like, okay, that's not bad. Uh, Does it the- have a chase sticker on it? It says there's there was two different options that you could choose, and one just said normal and one said chase. And when I looked at the chase, and it's six inch, it's not a ten inch. Oh, okay, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's six inch because I know like the, they're not normally six inches, so it's not like that big, but it's still a little bit bigger. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. But there was two different options. There was the normal and you could just order the chase, and I ordered the chase. I think the normal was like thirteen bucks. Oh, yeah, I mean 20 bucks for a chase? Absolutely. Can't yeah, and he's, he's got, like, glowing gamma radiation all over him. He's holding, like, the globe, and the globe is, like, exploding, and it glows in the dark, like I said. Um, no ship date on it. It was just a pre-order, so I don't know when it's coming out, but, um, again, that series just ended uh, this week. I really like the series. The artist maybe uh, kind of ruined his goodwill many, many times. But, uh, yeah, so I got that for myself. That's awesome. I'm glad to see you. You're getting in on the pops. I, I like that's, it. That's, and again, that's, that's, you know, uh, unless I don't think they've done a polka dot dusty roads and I don't think they're going to do it anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I'll say if, and when AEW gets a pop license, I think I'd be contractually obligated to get the orange Cassidy one. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shocked that there isn't one right now because it's such a cheap license to like for the molds and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. 
There needs to be a, oh, that would cause such a slippery slope for me. Oh yeah. But, but uh, Joe, I will say, and this isn't really scheduled in my little discussion here, but uh, I have sold a lot of pops in the last like week or two. Oh, the purge I, is actually happening. The purge. Here's the thing: the purge is happening. I've sold maybe about ten to twelve on eBay over the past week. And our local comic shop, uh, Comics on the Green, I have an agreement in place uh, to basically drop off another 15 of them tomorrow at the shop. So I'm dumping like 25 Funkos. And then I looked at the app. When I removed that 25, I still have more than I had a month ago. (laughs) If you count pre-orders and shit that still hasn't arrived, uh... So my rule is I have these two giant metal racks in my toy room. Uh, I am allowed to fill up those racks. If I buy more than those racks will hold, I have to get rid of stuff uh, to make room. So, but yeah, I sold like 25 pops in the last two weeks. That's good. And I'm, I posted in the uh, the Toy Boy Facebook group uh, all those uh, 90s Spider-Man figures that came into the comic shop today. Yeah. Uh, I, and I said there, I'm I'm happy that they weren't there yesterday when I went to go pick up my comics because I probably would have bought a couple of them. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a look because I think I saw that, but I, I glossed over it, so I'm going to have to look again. Yeah, it looks like a pretty much completed run of the, uh, you know, animated series Spider-Man from the 90s action figures. Okay. Like, I don't think it's every Spidey because they did a bunch of different Spideys, but I think yeah. it's all the villains at least. I, I wonder if I, because I had a lot of those back in the day, and I'm, I'm pretty sure when I bought my house, I probably sold them to Comics on the Green for like $2 a piece. <laughs> See, I have a bunch of them, but they're opened and they've been like played with, quote unquote, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, they're I, in a tote in the basement. These were all minty mint. Ugh. Yeah. All right, Joe. So I bought some other stuff. Now, these aren't toy related, so I saved them all to the end. All right. Um, I'll get some shit for this, but I want to explain, uh, there was the 20% off sale on that Chicago t-shirt company website. Yeah. And now here's the thing. If you're going to be looking at a $25 shirt and you add the $4 for the soft style, and then you add the $30 shipping that they charge, even the 20% off doesn't really put much of a dent in it. But the shirt I wanted was from one of the very few people that only charges $19.99 for their base shirts. Oh, okay. And that is Brian Myers, the most professional wrestler. I wanted the disappearing into a bush shirt. (laughs) Uh, I did not buy the all green one. I bought the black one with the green bush. Uh, But I I absolutely love that shirt. uh, So I needed that. And here's the thing, Joe, if you see any photos of me wearing a hat over the last year, what kind of hat am I wearing? A uh, Yankees hat? No, it's a black one. It's a podcast hat. Oh, the major wrestling figure podcast hat. Yeah, I wear that same black trucker hat. And the thing is, it is getting funky. Uh, and I think its last legs were when I was tearing down the ring at Let's Hang Out. Uh, it was basically just a sweat rag at that point. Uh, so I tried washing it yesterday in one of those hat gimmick thingies that like holds the shape of the hat. Sure. Uh, that's the biggest like con in the game. Those things, they do not work. So I washed it. It came out not quite even as good as it was before I threw it in. So I ordered another pot hat from, uh, 
from Pro Wrestling Tees. So that was my my PWT order with the 20% off was the Brian Myers disappearing into a bush shirt and a new pod hat. So I, I'm like you. I just replaced one bit of outfit with the exact same thing, but it's just a newer version. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, two other things. Um, I'm sure you may know this, but your other podcast co-host, Mr. Todd Roker, is a fan of the, I was about to say Los Angeles, the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, I know he is. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) But uh, a lot of the Raiders games, and by a lot, I mean most of them, are not on television around here. So Todd, in years past, has either gone to bars or restaurants to watch the games uh, or has relied on the years where I got a deal ski on the NFL Sunday ticket. Right. Uh, This year, I was not presented with a deal for the Sunday ticket. So at the beginning of the season, I called up and tried to use some shrewd negotiating to see if I can get a deal. Uh, They shot me down on it. They they were just were trying to go full price. And I basically said to Todd, I was like, well, how well, let's take a look at the Raiders schedule and see when you need the Sunday ticket. And he looked at it like, oh, this is a Monday night game. This is a Sunday night game. So I don't really need it until week four or five or whatever. So this past weekend. And wouldn't you know it, because the Steelers are terrible, this this past weekend's game was blacked out in our area as well. So I needed the Sunday ticket for the first time this season. And it usually doesn't happen. Usually once a year there's a blackout. Uh, but it happened to happen this week. So I dusted off my shrewd negotiating skills. I called up Joe, and wouldn't you know it, we're five weeks into the season, and I was able to negotiate the price of 100% of the price. <laughs> I had to pay full price. I could not get a Jesus nickel Christ. off of the Sunday ticket. They would not budge. And the thing was, I was calling at like noon on a Sunday, and I think they had to know that I'm a Steelers fan, and I was I wanted to watch the game. So when they were just like, nah, there's really nothing we can do for you. I'm like, we're five weeks into the season. Yep. Nothing we can do about it. I was like, can we talk to your supervisor? And I was like, okay. And they got me a supervisor. Nope, we can't do anything. And I'm like, I've had Sunday ticket for the last six years. You're not going to give me a deal? Nope. So I was like, all right, you win this round, NFL. So uh, one of my weekly purchases was I bought the NFL Sunday ticket for me and Todd. So you bought it five weeks, four weeks into the season, and there's only 17 weeks in the season? Yes. Now, here's the thing. I mean, like I said, I even if it's not for a Steelers game, I enjoy watching the red zone. So, like, if the Steelers are on at one or if they're off that week, I enjoy watching the red zone. So I get a benefit from that. But up until this week, I didn't need the Sunday ticket because all of my games were on television. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, especially when they were playing uh, the the good-for-nothing Denver Broncos uh, sorry, DeWicky. Sorry, Jake Clemens. But I knew it was going to be a win, so I couldn't miss a win. You know, they're going to be far between this season, right? Uh, this is the year where I'm hoping for nine and seven. That's my dream season. You know, just just not a losing season. We'll see. So, Adam, pretend I don't know anything about football. Yes. Uh, what I'll is pretend. Red Zone? Oh, so Red Zone is basically a commercial-free channel that will show you multiple games at once. And it'll always like show you like, oh, this team is in the red zone about to score. We'll make sure they're on the screen or here's a big play that just happened on this other game. So it's basically no commercials and it's just constant NFL 
throughout the game. So you're not watching kickoffs and timeouts and all that stuff. It's just concentrated action. So you can have up gotcha. to four, four or five games on the screen, but like it's it goes in and out of all the best stuff. And does Sunday Ticket or whatever the hell it's called get you the Monday night game, or are they just assuming you're watching that on Monday night, whatever? So the Sunday Ticket gives you games that are not otherwise available from your normal channel package. So you will not get whatever is being broadcast locally in our area. So, for example, the reason why the Steelers were not on the air this past weekend for us is because the 1 o'clock game was an Eagles game. So, like, for whatever reason, the algorithm that they chose – there was just like everybody in, in Pennsylvania is getting the Eagles at one o'clock. So the Steelers weren't on. If you were closer to Pittsburgh, you might've got the Steelers, but not gotten the Eagles. So you don't get the local games that are being broadcast for free. You don't get uh, Monday night football, Sunday night football, because those are on network television. Everybody in the country sees the same games. Gotcha. So really what you're paying for is the one o'clock and the four o'clock games that are out of market. So like if you're, <laughs> Yeah, so whatever. And you also have to pay extra for the red zone. So full disclosure, this isn't confidential information at all. The Sunday ticket is $300 for the season. Jesus Christ. Yep. And the Sunday ticket with the red zone is $400. So when fuck? I was, yeah. When I was, look at this, this is this opportunity, right? So when I was talking to Todd, he was like, well, you know, we could just get the regular Sunday ticket without the red zone. And we'll be fine with that. And I said, well, I only see value in having the red zone because that's all I watch. You know, if I have the Sunday ticket, I'm watching the red zone. So I was like, well, if we're going to get it, we're getting the one with the the red zone. So, uh, yeah, $400 split two ways. Boy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad I'm I'm glad the things I don't that I like don't cost that much money. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of goddamn money. Yeah, they let you split it out over six months. Oh, that's better. Yeah, but uh, I do have one other weekly purchase, Joe. All right. All right, so speaking of NFL, as I mentioned before, a lot of people uh, like to think that they're card boys, but I'm an OG card boy, and all of them are just kind of new to the game and, you know, kind of amateurs. Um, but I every once in a while, I don't buy a lot of cards anymore. Um, but I do like to collect autographed rookie cards of Steelers, like uh, like big time prospects, you know, people that like, you know, were like the number one round pick, number two round pick, whatever. So the Steelers in the draft this year drafted the best running back in the country, uh, Najee Harris. Uh, he played for Alabama last year. Just nod your head and smile. So anyways, there is a certain card set that I collect called Leaf Trinity. Uh, the reason why I collect these is they're autographed, uh, they're numbered, they have a piece of a jersey included on them, and usually I shoot for like the ones that are limited to like either 25 copies or 50 copies. So I've been clocking this card for a while on eBay. You know, and a couple of them have been going up for $40, $60, $70. You know, I'm kind of in that price range. Uh, I haven't pulled the trigger, um, but on eBay today, because I have the alerts set me up to, to just kind of tell me, oh, alert me when there's a Najee Harris Leaf Trinity card, and you know, I'll I'll figure out if it's the one I want or not. I got an alert that there was a Najee Harris autographed Leaf Trinity printing plate one of one card available. Buy it now or best offer seventy five dollars, Joe. <laughs> 
Okay, being one of one printing plate and what you said the other things were going for, that sounds like a steal. This, like, again, because there are four printing plates, you know, one for Scion, Magenta, Black, Yellow are the four colors. Okay. Um, One of them had already sold for, like, 400 bucks. So I was like, should I do the Adam thing and just click buy it now full price? Or should I do the Joe thing and send the best offer? I actually did the Joe thing because I kind of wanted somebody else to buy it before I got to it. Uh, Just because I was like, oh, I don't want to spend all this money on a card. So I sent a best offer of like 60 and he came back at 70 uh, and I ended up buying it for 70. But here's the thing, Joe, I am not keeping this card. The second this comes in, I'm taking a picture of it, throwing it up on eBay for like three, 400 bucks. And then I'm going to go and buy the $40 card that I really wanted and just profit the difference. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got a, a one of one autograph rookie card of uh, the Steelers, probably best player. A lot of work doing all these things, you know? Well, you know what? You always got to be hustling when you're the $100 Vanskys. You certainly can't buy all this stuff on an importing and exporting business uh, salary. So Obviously not. <laughs> but uh, that is all I had. Very light week, Joe. Very light week. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, you know, go make some purchases through the Amazon uh, affiliate link. Go buy some stuff through the Public store. Adam needs more money to buy plates, <laughs> printing plates and other types as well. <laughs> Nobody's touching my printing plates. So I don't care. All who, right. Well, maybe somebody. <laughs> when you sell it to them for eight times what you paid for it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so for Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening to episode 160 of At Odds with Wrestling. Be safe and enjoy some money. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.